0: One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I've been through this, other people haven't. So for them, having this freedom taken away, there's so much stress. But my advice is always this will end. This will end, and it will be amazing.
1: Where well, we've all been pushed around Hello and welcome to It's Hearing Complicated, to the podcast to help you untangle your relationship with your phone. Left our hearts in the and found I'm Tanya Goodin and each week I'll be talking to my guests about how they manage the relationship with the tiny tyrant in their pocket. We'll be talking about how our phone habits affect our work, our lives, and our loves, and about what our relationship with our phone might just tell us about our relationship with ourselves. If you want help and you want hope, you've come to the right place. This is It's Complicated. When I was planning the guests for this third season of It's Complicated, obviously, I didn't know we were about to be hit by a global pandemic. I didn't know we were all going to be in lockdown from the beginning of March. So I wasn't really thinking about a guest that might be relevant to that situation. But actually, when I was chatting to this week's guest, I realised that she is the perfect person to be talking to us right now. I'm talking to Lauren Mahn who is co-host of You, Me and the Big C, the hugely popular cancer podcast. She's also the founder of the Girl vs Cancer blog and she is a breast cancer survivor. She's also one of the most positive and uplifting and life-affirming people I think I've ever spoken to. And we had such a great chat about what her experiences of Suddenly finding herself in a situation where her world has been turned completely upside down and nothing that she thought might happen in the future was certain anymore, how that might be relevant to the situation that we are all now in. And she also had some really thoughtful words about how we can support people amongst us who might be suffering from cancer at the moment and having to deal with that and deal with the fact that they're in the middle of this pandemic. It was a really fun chat and I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. So, Lauren, hi. Welcome to It's Complicated. I was just thinking that obviously we haven't met before and I didn't know you. And then I realised I saw you on First Dates Hotel. That was me getting pied
0: on national television.
1: <laughs> and I remember it so vividly <laughs> as well. And I remember really having a lump in my throat when I watched it. I thought it was, yeah, it was, what what happened in the end? You didn't, I know you didn't end up seeing the guy that you dated. No. But
0: Basically, you knew him me, anyway,
1: didn't you? He, I did, I knew yeah. him anyway.
0: So they set me up with a friend. This was literally the summer after I came out of chemo. So it would have been like about 2017 that it was yeah. actually recorded. And then it went out in 2018. Yeah, I remember. Um, and yeah, I mean, we're still mates. He's he's somewhat, He lives abroad now, but he's someone that we stayed in contact with and I will never not be his mate. It was just Aww. a really funny time in my life, to be honest. I'd just come out of all this cancer treatment and really felt like my life was on the up. And I'm, I'm this is it, I'm finding love. And oh my God, they've matched me with someone who I've always kind of fancied. It's going to all happen. So when it didn't, it was such a, a knock. But I have to be honest... It was such a catalyst for all the amazing things that have happened since. Like, that was the thing that set wheels in motion. So I feel quite grateful for that experience, really. Everything always leads somewhere, don't you think?
1: I always think when anything happens at the time that you think, where is this going? You look back and think, that's why that was meant to happen. So when I was first getting into podcasts, listening to podcasts, everyone I spoke to when I said, which podcast should I listen to? They all said... You, me and the big C. I mean, literally everybody from, you know, friends to my hairdresser to, (laughs) you know, kind of millennials, Generation Z, so many people listening to it. So for people listening to this podcast that don't know about you and your story and your Girl versus Cancer blog, can you just give us a bit of a kind of recap as to how you got here, how you set up the blog and then how you got into the podcast?
0: Absolutely. So, I—those who don't know me, um, those who do know me will have heard me tell the story a million times. So you're gonna have to listen again. <laughs> but I—I I was diagnosed with breast cancer at the age of 31, and it really was about out of the blue for me. I don't really class my boobs as boobs. (laughs) They're more of a goodwill gesture. And so for me, they really are. And I've never been a big fan of them. True story, actually. I was actually looking at maybe going for consultations for a breast enlargement before I got sick. Before you got diagnosed, gosh. Yeah, because I was like, I just don't feel feminine. But then actually, thank God I do have small boobs because I found the lump pretty rapid. Mm. Um, It was a really fast-growing lump and it kind of just appeared within the space of two months and I was a bit lax at going to get it checked properly because at 31... That was just not in my vocabulary, that word. It wasn't something that was in my world. It was older people that suffered with the disease. Yeah. So I never really worried about it. But it was cancer and I've And how long ago was this? How many years ago? I was diagnosed in August 2016. So we're coming up for four years, which blows my little mind. Yeah, it's flown. Um, but also really grateful that four years down the line I'm here, you know, Mm -hmm. because I know so many people that aren't. But I basically was I was diagnosed found out pretty quickly that when I was started going through the motions of a cancer diagnosis, I had no idea. I had no idea about the ins and outs. I thought you got taken into a room and told you I had cancer, so then you went straight into treatment. There's so many more complexities to it. You know, there's further scans to check if it's spread. There's infertility tests. There's all this stuff that I had no idea about. Yeah. But also, I just found everything so clinical and cold. All the leaflets that were being handed to me were of women in a much more advanced life stage to me. And it just made me feel really lost and alone. Yeah. And I was desperately trying to find girls like me who wore bright colored lipsticks, who liked to go out on the Prosecco of a weekend, who had done this and come out the other side. Because I think there's so much power in hope. Yeah. And if you can see someone has done it and you go, oh, I know someone else who's been through that and look at them now, okay, that will be me. And you can almost, you can't be what you can't see, can you? Mm. So I just started outreaching on Instagram, really, and trying to find girls like me. And I found a couple. And I decided, oh, do you know what? This perception of cancer, everyone thinks it is. It ain't what I thought it is. And I'm still me. I didn't want anyone to think, oh, Lauren's in cancer treatment all and like doom and gloom. It's like, no, I'm still doing this my way. I'm still me. So basically I started talking about it under the hashtag girl versus cancer. I don't know how that wasn't taken. It's ridiculous. And I started talking about my story and sharing my, my experience of the disease. And it turned out a lot of people needed it. And I, I, I formed a community kind of within my own, own Instagram account. Of other people going through similar things, and then it very quickly became bigger than <laughs> I expected, and and now it's its own website. I sell T-shirts for charities. I've raised. I haven't added up. I think I don't want to jinx it, but I think I might be over a a hundred thousand now. But the last time I added wow. it up, which was the summer, was sixty-one k. So I think I made That's how much you've it, raised. I'm not sure. Yeah, for the <laughs> charities. And then also just raising awareness about what cancer actually looks like, talking about it like it's extenders. And that's kind of how the podcast came about as well. Because not only was I doing that, I found women like Rachel Bland and Deborah James, who were both talking about their cancers respectively, in kind of similar ways. We're all very different women, but at the same time, we had this common bond and we were all just trying to Break this taboo yeah. and it was actually Rachel because she wrote a piece for my site she's like listen I've got an idea she's a five live broadcaster she's like, I've got this idea let's why don't we do a uh, she said this was her words a podcast for cool um Instagram girls with cancer and I was like oh you think I'm cool I thank you Miss Blonde and she was an absolute babe and I just went yeah that's definitely what we need we need to have a conversation not these clinical cold leaflets we see and that's how it began. and you know, it really. I am so proud of it because it it's has so huge really helped now, is not it? It's really huge. It's massive, and yeah. I like it's a podcast about cancer. I don't think anyone would want to mm. listen to that, but I think it's because it's so relatable. You know, one in two of us will get it, and if you haven't got it, someone else will. And I think some people just want to listen in and learn, which is a really lovely thing. So, yeah, that's where we're at now. It's been we've won, I think we've won five or six awards now. We've been going for two years. And we're all really proud, really, really proud. And and um, for people who don't know, the lovely Rachel um, sadly died from her disease in mm. 2018. But her instruction was to carry on the podcast. So we did as we were told. And um, we now have her lovely widow, Steve, on there with us. um, widower even. And yeah, he's amazing. Yeah, I've, so list- I've listened to
1: some episodes with him. And it's lovely, actually, the dynamic between the three of you now with him there. He's um,
0: just the best. And it, it just really helps to keep Rachel feeling like she's close, you know?
1: Yeah. And he said it's helped him,
0: didn't he? He said being involved in the podcast. Um, yeah, because I think from the outside, for people, it must be so hard. Because you're going through it as well, you know? Just in a kind of different way. Cancer just doesn't happen to the person. It happens to the ripple effect. It's everyone around them. It's the other one in two. So it, it's been really nice to be able to guide, like be a support for him as well. And I know that would make Rachel happy, so... we're really proud yeah so
1: my podcast it's complicated is about our Mm. complicated relationship with tech Mm. and one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you is because I've been looking for positive uses of technology I'm on season three now and I thought actually I spent a lot of time in the first two seasons thinking about kind of some of the negatives but actually I really wanted to highlight some of the really huge things social media in particular can do and your community I think is is one of those because how would you have connected before if you'd had cancer before
0: social media how would you have found people like you well the thing is this is the thing like there were there was outlets you know there were forums like online traditional forums there would be you'd find through your like clinical nurse specialists and stuff about support groups that you can physically go to yeah but there's something really powerful in laying there and being that raw and vulnerable in those moments where you're laying in bed at night at 3 a.m terrified of this thing that's in your body not sure how your body is reacting to the treatment you're on that is ravaging you just being really scared and just being able to go I'm feeling like this and put a post out there or a story and getting all of these people come back and go, mate, me too. Me too, or, yeah. And, like, even silly things that people don't know. Like, I didn't know. So one of my friends, Alice May Perkis, she was one of the first people – I think she was the first person, other than another friend of mine who had bowel cancer and had survived it. So I spoke with her quite a lot. But my friend Alice had had breast cancer, and she was the first friend I made on Instagram because I, I put a post out and she messaged me right away and went, it's really brave that you've been so open – I did the same if you ever want to talk and she became a rock to me but she said to me I'll never forget it she went mate there's smooth and then there's chemo smooth and I was like <laughs> what? what's that and she went she was like you're about to become a dolphin I was like what <laughs> and then it was only when I started to shed hair after the first chemo that I realized oh like literally every bit of hair on your body move. yeah yeah like all your arm hairs all of your leg hairs your pubes are gone for six yeah. months you no said waxing, no hair in one of your blogs i think you said someone yeah. has said to you has your nose hair started falling
1: out yet and i thought oh my god does that fall out too i didn't even thought yes
0: of it. no one told you that so being yeah. able to go onto social media and go guys i've just turned my head and flung snot on the guy next to me it's so <laughs> embarrassing and you'll get all these people being like oh my god make sure you've always got a hanky on you because you don't realise how much you need nose hair until you don't have nose hair. Yeah, So it's really powerful.
1: But have you had, have there been any negatives at all from having this platform? Have you had any issues with people kind of, you know, we all suffer, don't we? If we're women online, Uh we all suffer from trolling and some of the, you know, bad side. Have you managed to escape that or have you had some?
0: No, of course I have. I think the thing is what the problem that I have is I'm quite an outspoken person and not in a horrible, like Katie Hopkins mean way in like a, I say what comes from my heart kind of way. So what I put out into the world actually is quite a vulnerable thing because it's, I'm very I'm very much an open book. Mm. So what I do struggle with is I do everything that I do with the best intention. And there has been cases where I've written things on my Instagram, for example, like saying, when I did a photo shoot saying, oh, I've got some of um, cancer, the cancer community's cool kids involved. And I didn't mean it as a everyone else isn't cool. I just meant it as a nice thing yeah, for the guy who were involved. involved. Yeah. And then I did get a message from someone who was like, I don't feel cool. I feel really isolated. I feel like I put on weight. I feel horrible. Da-da-da. Seeing that has really made me, and I'm like, oh my God. And it's horrible because you do feel a responsibility. I feel, what well, I do feel a responsibility to everyone because I just want to help. But I, I've also had to come to terms with the fact that, and I'm very open about the fact that I'm not a role model for this. I am someone who's had it and I am being very open about my experience and be with and beyond the disease. I try and be as responsible where I can, but this is all just my point of view mm. and my experience. So it's hard because you don't want to sense yourself too much that you're not authentic. But at the same time, it's being okay saying to yourself, my mum always says to me, you can't be everyone's cup of tea or you'll be a mug. And that is what I have to keep saying to myself, because, you know, my experience of cancer may be very different from someone else's. So it's okay. And actually, it's really healthy to have that kind of feedback, because it does make me more mindful. And I try and think things in a more rounded way whenever I put anything out into the world on those channels.
1: So has there ever been a moment where you've just thought, actually, no, this is too much for me, I'm, I'm juggling all the other stuff to do with, yeah. you know, my health and my well, treatment. And
0: actually, this is too much I've taken on yeah all the time all the time even now before coming on here talking to you I just said to I've just done an Instagram live and I've got enough work to do I don't know why I'm adding this extra project in <laughs> but I'm just one of those people that I have an idea and I have to action it now cancer's kind of made that happen like I don't just sit on things now I'm like okay I need to actually do it otherwise it won't happen so there's this little sense of urgency that hasn't quit since I've been in recovery but I do overwhelm myself a lot of the time but actually because it's so important to me what I do it's not something that I'm willing to stop, but I do yeah. have a lot. I think it's more for me, it's resource. So it's getting a team and getting that funding at the minute. So I've just changed the structure of Girl vs. Cancer in the past couple of weeks while we've been locked down, using this time to get all the admin stuff out of the way so that I can actually start going for funding to get me a team. Because I think if I've done this on my own, imagine what I could do yeah, for people. A, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So yeah, there is there are a lot of times. And, and then also there's the whole new kind of challenge of you know I spent so long being this cancer woman this woman who had cancer but also I'm Loza and I'm me and having to come back to who I am because there's so many parts of me that are still me but there's a lot of me that's changed too and figuring out what I want for myself and what works for me now and new like all of a sudden from the podcast and through first dates I'm in the public eye now Mm. there's a lot of opportunity coming to me that are really exciting I never thought I would like potentially present on radio I never thought that I would like maybe write a book. And there's all these things that are happening. So I have to give myself space for that too. So that's been a big challenge to be honest, is taking too much on either side and finding balance there.
1: So one of the reasons you're so skilled at all the stuff you did in terms of promoting it, I mean, it was your job before you worked in social yeah. media marketing, didn't you? So yeah. I'm really interested to know about how your relationship with technology and social media has changed over the course of, you know, kind of before cancer, during cancer, now, you know, what what is your relationship
0: with tech like? What's your relationship with your phone like? I probably feel like most of the population, I don't like how much I'm on it. But I have I have found that I, I'm less of a scroller and I'm more of a worker on my phone. Like my phone is my connection to my family and friends. My phone is also, I have two Instagram accounts. One is my personal brand. The other is the Girl vs. Cancer brand. It says work to be done there. It's got emails on it. It's got banking on it. You know, everything's on our phones. And I think rather than beating myself up, it's accepting the fact that I'm going to be using my phone a lot, but it's having boundaries in place and noticing little red flags. Like if I'm really be- got stuff to do, but I find myself procrastinating by going on TikTok, get <laughs> off your phone. Yeah. My lovely friend, Dominic, who is an illustrator, he is fantastic at putting his phone on airplane mode. So there'll be some times where I can't get hold of him for most of the day. And he's like, oh, I had a big project. So I just airplane mode in my phone and he puts on music loud and just gets on with his work. Yeah. So I've tried that, but I think having worked the brand side for social media, I love the creative aspect of it. I love creating imagery. I love making a narrative. I like thinking about different ways of expressing or sharing different stories or telling, you know, sh- um, advertising products or anything. I like that. That is what I love. And then I love being able to communicate with, with people. What I really hated working brand side is it's money. Yeah. So no matter what, when as soon as it starts becoming about stats and figures and stuff like that, which has been my job for most of my adult life. I realise now that doesn't spark joy for me. And actually, it's actually about creation, sharing like what we've created and, and interacting with one another and building those relationships online. That's what gets me hard. It's not the, how many followers have I got? Do you know what I mean? I don't like all are that. Are you
1: not gonna, are you slightly you know, not in danger of having to get into that whole territory though, when you're looking for funding or when you're looking for support? Is that is that an area that could, start to be a bit tricky then
0: I mean I realize it's not the
1: same as getting you know advertising but
0: yeah no 100% and I do have to think about all those things and actually because of my background it really frustrates me that I can't be all over it like I want to be so when I do hire staff there will be someone managing social media and it will be their job to report back but the main thing We'll be planning out the content, making sure it's been received mm. well by by the community who needs it and that we're actually serving in the right way. So it, by doing that, naturally you're gonna have the growth. But I'm not gonna put targets on that growth. Yeah. I'm gonna let it happen because that needs to not be the focus. So my staff won't be judged on that. It will be judged on the execution, the interactions we're getting, what went well, what can we learn. I think that's kind of the the take I want on it. So I can conf- feel the thing is, mate, it's grown organically as it is with a team it's going to organically grow again so I try not to let that be the stress and the content is
1: really beautiful I mean I I think your feed is visually really beautiful and striking and inspiring to look at
0: thanks thank you oh I, I just didn't want I just wanted to switch up what people thought cancer looks like yeah it
1: totally changed my view I mean I think the podcast did that and than your blog because when somebody said to me listen to the podcast I thought oh I don't want to listen to a podcast about cancer that sounds really depressing and of Mm. course anyone who's listened to your podcast knows it's the opposite it's the complete opposite of depressing and I feel like that about your Instagram feed as well it looks really beautiful it looks like a magazine when you look at it. well this is
0: the thing I like always joke about I go it's cancer hun but make it editorial like that's always my banter because it's showing cancer in a different light it's making it a bit less scary making it more palatable and actually showing it from a different point of view and actually the last campaign we did the be more jack campaign which i'm so proud of because i made i always try and make sure the community is front and center but sometimes when you need to get the reach out there and you have to get like influencers celebrities involved just to make sure the amplification happens i worry that it gets lost and for the first time i was like i'm not doing that i'm literally just going to hone in on this tiny portion of the community that was affected by my dear friend Jack's death mm. and see what happens and honestly it's one of the most proudest things I've ever made with my community and I think it just tells the narrative of yeah. what a cancer experience looks like for so many different people so again it's, it's using the channels rather than you know no offense to my mates because loads of are influencers but rather than watching someone get dressed on an Instagram story every day and you are at what outfits they're going to choose putting something out into the world that's like this is how my experience of cancer is, so that anyone who might be in a similar position can relate and they won't feel as alone. So it's a nice way to use that platform for different things, I think. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com.
1: So we're both living in lockdown Britain at the moment, yes. th- thanks yeah. to the coronavirus, and I was thinking, it's really interesting, because I'd i made some notes about what I wanted to talk to you about, and then I went onto to your Insta feed, and you had said almost exactly what I was about to ask you, which is, <laughs> given that we are now all experiencing, you know, life's turned upside down, we're living with this massive uncertainty, we're living with kind of loneliness, isolation, I thought, actually, you know what that feels like. You knew what that felt like before we all went through this. So I thought, actually, we can probably learn a lot from you. And then yeah. I noticed you posted that on your content <laughs> and said to your community, actually, there's stuff that we could be sharing. So what what can we learn from you about how to cope with a situation ma-
0: like this? I think the main thing is, love, do you know what, like, what I, I do understand that isolation is really hard and especially for people who are ill people who are in abusive relationships, people who maybe don't have much money and, or time and all and their kids are at home and they're having to homeschool. Like there's so many nuances to this. I'm by no means saying this is easy, but in the grand scheme of things, we have to just stay home. We're not having to do open heart surgery. Well, most people we're, we're not having to do nasty things to anybody. We're having to just try and keep ourselves and others safe. So, the issue we have is we live in a country where we've never really had our freedom taken from us. We're not in a dictatorship. We're not told what to do, what to think, how to behave. So this is a big shock to the system for everyone, I think, but because I've had to stay home for my own health before, it feels a bit same same me, And what I keep trying to remind myself is there's ways that this is the same and there's ways that this is different. So I think by hopefully showing this, it might help people. So in some respects, it's the same because I'm at home in the same four walls not being able to go outside for fear of my health being in jeopardy. So it's the same. Yeah. But it's different in that none of my friends are outside living their lives. We're all doing the same stuff. Yeah. So that FOMO is really... that. Honestly, that was one of the hardest things in cancer treatment, seeing everyone else live their lives and yours is on pause. Yeah, We're all pausing. We're all pausing together, yeah. Exactly. I think it's the same in that, you know, it can be quite confronting when you're left alone... In your own bubble, when you haven't got all these distractions that you usually have with life, that it can be quite confronting and underlying things, but it's different in that again, we're all doing it, but there's so when you're in cancer treatment, you're so weak, and there's only so much you can do, whereas now it's like okay. There's so much online. Everything's gone online. So you can work out at home. You can learn how to cook. You can learn a new skill. You can listen in and learn more about your favourite people on Instagram or the TV. You can finally read a book. You can catch up on box sets. You know, I'm weirdly, because all I did in chemo was watch box sets, I've actually barely watched any. I've just been reading and, and, like, trying to be creative and stuff because, for me, the box set thing is harder to do because I've done mm. it already. Mm.
1: Does it remind um, you
0: too much of being you
1: know, when you were going through treatment then?
0: Yeah, and also it just gives me ants in my pants. Like, <laughs> I try not to do it every day. Like, I'll do it a couple of days. Like, I'll do it on a Sunday and make my weekends count. Like, they're still weekends. So last Saturday, we, me and my flatmates got doled up, um, got to the living room, streamed some live music and had a boozy brunch and it was great. <laughs> but also, I think, you know, it's the diff- it's the same in that, there's health anxieties and there are real worries, but also it's different in that I am healthy and most people in the, in the country will be healthy. And so, yes, this is inconvenient. And that's what I always try and say to people is this is more than anything really inconvenient. Yes. It's terrifying. Everyone's panicking. What are we going to do about jobs? What are we going to do about businesses folding? We need to not worry about that and deal Mm. with it as it happens because the worry of what's to come is actually much more scary than what's happening. Yeah, and it's the same as in cancer treatment, babe. You just take it day by day, week by week. Do not think about. I've got so many people on Instagram going, "What if it's three months?" I some part of my brain just is not computing that, and it's going, "I'm not thinking about that. I'm going to think about this week and the next week because I've done this, and I know by doing that and overwhelming yourself, there's no good can come of it at all." So, is there a part of you that gets a bit frustrated, thinking, "Come
1: on"? you know this is nothing like you going through cancer this is you know um, this it's a kind of as you say it's a a problem of us all just not liking the
0: fact that we can't go out so yeah. are you are you finding yourself getting a bit annoyed by it at all or not I wouldn't say annoyed sometimes I just want to be like come on babe let's have a bit of perspective let's have a chat yeah. and I try and be positive because I feel like If you get into that black hole and that swirling black hole, it it takes a lot more energy to get back out of it. Whereas if you kind of skim the top of it and bring yourself back out, it's a lot easier to do. But everything is relative. I've been through this. Other people haven't. So for them, having this freedom taken away, this health anxiety, this uncertainty around finances, which is very similar when when you go through cancer treatment and you can't work, it's a very scary time. There's so much stress. There is so much stress. But my advice is always, one, this will end this will end and it will be amazing. I cannot even describe to you the elation and the gratitude and the appreciation you will have when you come out of your house and have freedom again. (laughs) Oh my God, babe. Like when I came out of cancer treatment and I started to feel well enough again, and my immune system was on, on the mend and my white blood count went up, getting on the tube and traveling across London freely was the, biggest boner I've ever had. Mm. I was like, I can mm. move around my city. And it's it's those little things that we have taken for granted for so long that people get so bogged down in the nothingness, the comfortably numbness, the things that don't actually matter. And I think what this is going to do is give people perspective. Yeah, it's, it's a massive shake-up, is. isn't it? Yeah. And I'm glad. And in some ways, I think maybe this is what was needed. We just all need to hunker down now and do our bit. So, yeah, there's lots, I mean... Everyone is entitled to be afraid and worried. I'm really overwhelmed by it some days. But just, I think what helps me to get through it is we we'll take it day by day. Don't think about the end goal because we don't know when that is yet. So take it day by day and remember it will end and think how amazing it's going to be when we do. It'll all be worth it. All of it will be worth it. So I'm really conscious that
1: one of the, I think, positive things that's potentially going to come out of this is that we all connect a bit more with our local community and our neighbours. I and mean, that's already happening in my local area. And we're really aware that there are vulnerable people living in this area and there are people undergoing treatment for cancer. And I was wondering, you know, what's your advice about how do we support, how do we talk to friends and family that might be going through cancer treatment at the moment and having to deal with all of this? How, what's the best you know language we can use how can we talk to them how can we help them how can we support them through this
0: I think the main thing is listening because there are going to be so many fears I know for a lot of cancer patients that there's been treatments cancelled operations back, which are mm. potentially life-threatening things to happen so for them it is this mass uncertainty so I think you know being this isn't to say anyone else can't feel anxious but it might be be careful what you're complaining to them about because yeah, they'll probably be yeah. sitting there like hey this is not a problem yeah yeah so I think it's been mindful of that moan to them about your boyfriend being an arsehole but don't maybe moan to them that oh my god I'm putting on loads of weight being in lockdown I can't go to the hairdresser yeah yeah (laughs) um so that won't go down well I think the other thing is it's the little things count so much in times like this and if you can't physically be there to support them it could be something smaller sending them a pack of books off amazon so they can read sending them some bedding or some nice like candles good idea. yeah yeah like oh my god bath oils are life when in cancer treatment i found they just really help me to relax and ease the aches and pains in my body um checking in and just going and not checking in going oh how are you babe being like hello love how are you doing yeah. on yeah. Like just making sure you're okay um, and offering things. You know, I know a lot of um, cancer hospitals or hospitals are doing like drive-through treatments where people are driving up to the hospital, getting their bloods done in the car park and then going on. And it might be that you might offer to drive someone somewhere. Yeah. It might be that, you know, you know that they're really craving cookies at the minute and they can't get out. So send them a box of cookies. It's those little acts of kindness that will go a long way, but also been really understanding that this for them is a very different kettle of fish and there is no right or wrong way but I think just being there
1: yeah and and not shying away from it
0: yeah yeah and don't like listen the head tilt is out the window no pity involved but it's just genuine genuine care for somebody so it's not being afraid to ask the questions and it's not being afraid to hear the answers and actually letting someone be scared I think is a really powerful thing because I know when I was having really scary times and I'd say I'm terrified, I don't want to go back into treatment, what if this, what if that, when people would reassure me, I realised it was because they were making themselves feel better, because no mm. one could tell you. Mm. So actually letting someone in scared and going, honestly, I don't know what you're going through, this is horrific, it's really shit, I'm so sorry, how do we help you get out of this funk? And mm. that is the kind of stuff I think that really helps people through. So I noticed that you're um not
1: producing the podcast at the moment. Um not at the moment. No. Are you are you missing it? Do you is it, you know, is that part of what helps you the kind of producing that?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm missing it and I miss them loads. We're kind of family, you know. We've been through yeah. something that's bonded us forever. And actually, you know, it gives me such a big sense of worth like going off and doing those podcast and trying to be able to support people in that way. I think the, the reason why we've had to stop, obviously, is because we can't be getting all together with self-isolation. Yeah. Deborah is in treatment, so we have to be really mindful. But also, it's really hard. You know, we, we are talking about maybe trying to do something remotely if we could figure out the tech, because there's a yeah. lot of us to be tuned into. But it's being very mindful because, you know, things are changing constantly with this, and what we don't want to do is say something and give advice that then changes 24 hours later yeah yeah so but maybe it's more of we more of just a think piece and sharing our feelings about this and how we're getting on and sharing some things that might support people so we're not saying we definitely we'd like to think we might be able to do something but it probably won't happen overnight it'll probably be a week or two off yet yeah, but, um, it's a
1: challenge for everyone at the moment, isn't it? There's a lot of remote podcast recording going on. Yeah,
0: um, well, this included, but like, yeah. it's, what's been so lovely, though, is having people messaging us going, we really miss the pod. Mm. We're really missing talk, hearing you guys. And that's been so lovely because yeah. it, it's like, oh, yeah, we can't wait to get back to it.
1: I've got three questions I always ask everyone on the podcast. Ooh. Um so, uh the first question I'd like to ask you is um if you just had one message to give to everybody about their habits around technology, their phones, social media right now, what would you be saying to them?
0: I would say that have your boundaries. So, you know, If you're finding yourself just sitting there endlessly scrolling through your phone rather than talking to the person next to you, put your phone on airplane mode and put it in your drawer. I I feel that there's nothing wrong with using your phone or using technology as long as it doesn't become a replacement for human contact. Because I feel like, you know, connection is important, but by being more plugged in, we've become unplugged from everyone else. Mm. So, like, it's little things, you know, like when we can go for dinner again, I don't have my phone on the table and if I do it's face down because I'll only check it when my mate goes to the toilet or something. Do you know what I mean or Yeah. It's it's those little things of being mindful that you're not missing out on relationships and connection because you're stuck to people's lives in a phone that is not your own.
1: And are you um, setting any different boundaries now with the whole kind of you know being at home is there anything? I mean one of the things I'm doing is I'm not checking news as much as I 100%. was because that's I think that's just making me anxious saying
0: the endless stories I was like now we're we know we're in lockdown and we're here I just watched the five o'clock news yeah the, me five too. O'clock news. the, the, the press press uh, report yeah. Mm. yeah and I think that's what everyone's doing and I try not to read any articles unless it's from the BBC but I genuinely don't go looking for them now I don't need to know I don't want to know how many deaths there have been because it's not going to change yeah. anything so and we can't do anything about it yeah. You can't do anything about it. Um, yeah, so be mindful of your intake, 100%. Um, I And also, you know, especially Instagram could be like this. Even in times like this, the pressure to be active and to make, learn a language yeah. or, you know, get up, get showered. If you have a day where you genuinely can't get out of bed, stay in bed, eat chocolate. Yeah, Tomorrow's a enough. new day yeah don't feel bad about that everyone's dealing with this in their own ways like tomorrow I've already decided I was up till 4am last night working on stuff got up this morning did this live done this podcast I've got a full afternoon tomorrow I'm down in tools after lunch and I'm sitting on the sofa yeah I don't care I'm gonna eat Jaffa cakes and read a book and no one's gonna stop me I'm not gonna feel guilty for it so I think this kind of culture that we're seeing now about Having to achieve so much in this period, there's a lot to be said for reflection and rest, mm. and it's just as important. So, you know, giving yourself the space to feel through whatever this is is just as important. So don't, you know, just cause you're seeing it's that like comparison and monster again. Because You're yeah, seeing the, other people doing it. It feels it mean really, you need to
1: do it. it feels really competitive, doesn't it? People sharing mm. everything they're doing at the moment in lockdown and yeah the danger is that we all feel really inadequate because we're not learning Arabic or (laughs) or doing something really massively creative so yeah yeah. exactly so have you got a tip that you haven't already shared about how you get a good balance there's a couple of things you've mentioned I was wondering if there's any other what do you do about sleep do you have
0: any rules about sleep oh I'm really bad at the minute I I am normally quite good but this has kind of thrown me with the, the kind of change of scene and, and, and routine and stuff. But I have the, on the weekend, um, not so much last night cause I was up so late working, but I'm reading before bed now. So mm. I actually have a Kindle. So I'm trying to read because I really struggle to read cause I work for myself. I don't commute. yeah. So normally I would read on a commute when I worked for other people. So I'm trying to read in bed before I go to sleep. And actually realising it will get to a certain point in the night where I'm watching something on TV. I'm half on my phone, half on there. And I'm like, no, this is bedtime. You're not even interested in what you're watching. You're just scrolling. So I will take myself up to bed and actually have a good night's sleep. And actually, do you know what? My Instagram techers that I've been making have really been helping me in the mornings because otherwise you wake up and you go straight into your emails. Like all, my phone is my alarm. Yeah, it Everyone is for most it. people, Yeah. Yeah. So actually, rather than going straight in and reading everything and consuming, I like to put stuff out. So then day before, I always make a note of what I'm going to put on my isolation techers. So in the morning, then I'll put those posts out and then I'll put my phone down and I'll go go and like go to the loo and make some breakfast. And if it's one of the days where I fancy going out for a run, I'll do that. And then I'll come back and work. And that, it's actually that way around more than bedtime. That's helping me a lot. Yeah. Monitoring what I'm putting in the first thing rather than. You know, just like where, passively how I'm my day. scrolling. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. And what have you learned about yourself from your tech habits over the years? What would people say? What would friends and family say about your tech habits? Do they comment on
0: the way you I think, are? I think my mum hates it when I I put her on my Instagram. She's always like, "Stop it!" She's like, <laughs> "I forget people aren't as open as me." And actually, to them, they're like, yeah. "Oh no." I think they would probably. I don't know if they think. To be fair, I think most of us who are online are guilty of this. I am who I am, but I'm on when I'm on Instagram and stuff. You know, you switch it on a lot of the time. So I think for them, it might be more, you know, when they see just me being me and like my down times and stuff, they they appreciate that. But in honesty, when I'm with my friends and family, I try not to be on my phone. So you're not one of those people that, that people would say, oh, we can't
1: get her attention. She's always on it. She's always posting an Insta story or she's always doing something.
0: We Listen, we're all guilty of being that person sometimes. I know there's been times where I've been at my mum's and she would be talking to me and it's gone right over my head because I've not been paying attention. I've been on my phone. Mm. And then I get annoyed at myself and put my phone down. But it's little things like I'll take pictures for Instagram stories, but then I'll put my phone down and I'll upload them later. It's all those little changes that I've made to my life to make sure I'm present when I'm there. But yeah, I think what I've learned most about myself is I am, I am addicted to technology. I, I do rely on it for a lot. Even the other day, I was like, "How did I go anywhere without City Mapper?" Um, oh, I love City Mapper. I think that's the I one out I, I couldn't do? live without.
1: Actually, living what in did London? We do without it, yeah.
0: mad. And it's those kind of little things that I've learned about myself. But also, do you know what? I'd be a liar if I said, you know, social media does offer up a certain level of validation and. If you are having a bit of a poo day and you put makeup on and put a picture up and someone goes, oh my God, you look beautiful. It does raise your mood. It makes you feel Um, good. Yeah. So, yeah. So I do. Yeah, definitely. Like I I do use it as it has got a little bit of attachment to self worth and stuff because it's my job. Mm. So like if I put something out and it isn't well received or no one really engages, I'm like, oh, but I'm aware of it. So I think that's a good thing.
1: And you are, you know, you say you're addictive, but you are doing something so positive with your platforms. And there are a lot of people who really aren't <laughs> doing yeah. you know, um I'm thinking of the detox tea brigade. Oh my um, god. Um but you know, so oh, that man. must that must make you feel good when you yeah, you, know, it, you see the difference you're making, actually.
0: Yeah, it does. It also comes with a lot of pressure as well. I think that pressure of not doing enough ever, because yeah. you're always seeing other like, people doing loads more. But um, just knowing that what you're doing is enough is something I've had to learn. But that's why I try not to be on a technology as much and and consume what's going on because by consuming it, you think you need to be doing more and putting more yeah. out. So that's um, why you post and create before you consume. Exactly. And like yeah. I, I just try and do that rather than scrolling feeds. I just will post and then go off and do stuff. And then later on when I've got a minute when I'm eating food or whatever, I'll just go through and like interact with my community. But other than that, I try not to just constantly consume. It's really hard because mm. you it's that double-barreled thing, isn't it? It's like you want to be relevant and you want to know what's going on in the world and yeah, you want to yeah. get inspired by things. But then also you get sucked into this rabbit hole. They're very clever, these apps. They know what they're doing.
1: Yeah, it's all deliberate, yes. Yeah. I could talk to you all day, but you've been up <laughs> since 4 o'clock. <laughs> or you are up last night since 4 o'clock. Um, yeah. So I want to say to everyone listening to this to definitely go to your Girl vs Cancer feed and blog. Uh, I particularly love your strap line for badass humans making cancer their bitch. Made me laugh out loud when I saw that.
0: That's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. <laughs>
1: um, and I really hope that you do find a way of getting the podcast together in some form over the next couple of weeks. Because I think, yeah, I mean, your your listeners, I'm sure, would love that. And it's brilliant. It's really uplifting and joyful. It's a joy to listen to. And we all so we all
0: need a bit of that at the moment, don't we? Yeah, we definitely do. And I think something as well, just to remember, it's not doom and gloom at all, but it would be off-brand for me not to say this, but just because we are, the world has stopped, cancer hasn't. Yeah. So please, if there's anything that you're worried about or you've noticed persistently because you've actually got the time to stop, if there is anything you're worried about, please do contact your GP, whether it be a lump in your breast, whether you're bleeding abnormally, abnormal bowel movements, persistent pains, you know, anything mm. that's a bit worrying, please just get it checked out because we're in a point at the moment where diagnoses still need to happen. Yeah. So And so GPs are any- still
1: working. They're still working. They're doing phone consultations and video consultations. So
0: Exactly. Yeah. So we just need to make sure if you're listening and there's a there's a niggle, speak to GP, they're still there. Yeah, please do that.
1: Oh, well, thanks so much, Lauren, for talking to me. It's been absolutely brilliant. Thank you, darling. It's been
0: such a pleasure. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of It's Complicated. If you haven't already, please do subscribe, rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. It helps other people find us and it means you get a helpful little notification when a new episode becomes available. For more about getting a healthy balance with tech, you can follow me, Tanya Goodin, or Time to Log Off on Instagram and Twitter. And both my books, Off and Stop Staring at Screens, are available on Amazon and at All Good Bookshops. Finally, for more information about this and other episodes in the podcast series, visit itstimetologoff.com.
0: Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out at the French Open for a chance to win a Grand Slam title.